Hello and welcome to the news. My name is Cole and with me as always is Gavin. So one thing that we learned recently is the very interesting information out of the PPAI 100. They always released a list of the biggest suppliers and companies in the industry and probably to no one's surprise, the biggest supplier turns out to be Sanmar. They came in at number one with an estimated revenue of $3.7 billion. And they had a three-year trend of 51% increase in revenue. So their growth has just been phenomenal. Coming in in second place, SNS Activewear with an estimated revenue of $2.15 billion. Their three-year trend was plus 62% growth. And watching them grow and buy up all these different companies has been really interesting. The fact that they can ship to almost anyone in a day is just kind of a game changer. Right behind them with a tiny difference is Alpha Broder at $2 billion. Their three-year trend hasn't been as high. It's at 18%, but they have the long history in the industry. And so all three of those, fantastic distributors. And it's always interesting to see how the business grows overall over time. Gavin, you got any more news for Yeah, so the world's first climate change conference is going to happen this year. And this is really going to be about a focus on the fashion industry, right? So this is the focus of this conference. Uh, It's going to happen in the country of Bangladesh, and it's in October 12th this year. So this is where a lot of politicians, policymakers, garment decorators, people that's in the fashion space are going to come together to talk about how they could reduce climate emission by 50%. All right. So in a little bit of fun news, here's something that's insane. A charity shop customer has just expressed their frustration and it has gone viral because Vinny's shop in Sydney is now selling a used T-shirt for $350. The argument is that brand new, these t-shirts have actually seen $1,000 to $3,000. And so if you think that your customer is right when they complain about your print price being too high at $10, go ahead, show them this article and uh, let them know what the limits truly are. Hello and welcome to Building Your T-Shirt Empire. My name is Cole and this is Gavin. Gavin, say hello to the people. Hey, what's up, people? It is Gavin here, founder of SEPS.io. So today we have someone who I've known in this industry for a a very long time. It's Ryan Moore, founder of half of the companies that are in the whole like industry. Ryan, could you give everyone kind of a quick rundown of what you're up to lately? Up to lately? Man, I love T-shirts, that's for sure. Okay, thanks for having me on, both of you. I think, was it the first time you two met? Was that in Haiti with the, on an all-made trip? Yeah, Gavin saved my life. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, have to, we'll have to tell that story later, so... That's a good. It's yeah. a it's a story of me realizing that I I'm not taking my health very seriously. So that was probably one of my most memorable trips by far. So that was a great trip. I am. Things have changed a lot. You know. In the last few years with the pandemic and then new companies starting out, I feel like I'm running around and doing five different, six different things, which is kind of what I I am doing. And it's a lot of fun, a little challenging, but the industry has definitely changed a lot this year, even more so, I think, that going into what may be called a recession or in a recession um, coming out of the pandemic back to like full normal, it's ever changing, you know, with did, you know, emerging technologies, DTF, continuing just into digital print on demand. So it's just a great place to explore, to connect and to help each other grow and learn. 
And I think that's what you're doing. So good job yeah. and keep it up. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, one of the coolest things that I've seen you do in the last maybe two years, I'm not sure which year you launched it, but Made Lab is awesome. Can you tell us how that's going? Yeah. So in 2019, we decided, so the two of you, we were talking about this AllMade trip and AllMade really changed our company a lot. It was the first venture outside of the supply side of the industry. So traditionally, Ryonet, ScreenPrinting.com was the supplier. We distributed Rock Automatic Presses, made Riley Hopkins Presses. And then we always thought, you know, it'd be a great idea to start this t-shirt that would be great to print on. And then as we learned more about how t-shirts were made and really wanted to focus on the human side of that, starting in Haiti and now expanding throughout the world. And then the eco side of that, using environmentally friendly manufacturing practices as well as materials to make the shirt. But it's way different. T-shirt Making t-shirts are way different than making ink or selling ink or hmm. selling equipment. And so the sale dollar value is a lot. You know, all my shirts like five, six bucks. And the margin's low. The supply chain's way different. So it really changed our company and it taught me a lot more about this industry in whole. It gave me a lot more perspective because looking at a t-shirt is way different than looking at the printing processes, which is what I was used to. But really what it did is it changed the cash flow of our company quite a bit. We realized that we needed to change things up. So we started looking for outside investment specifically for the all-made business. And that led into a few really cool partnerships, one with Rock was actually the first partnership. So we split Rock out of Ryonet. It's now its own company. I'm a partner in that company in, in a holding group that we now have. Uh, and then we also split Allmade out of Ryonet. And that is a partnership with Samar. So Samar and Allmade are kind of partnered up together. And then Rock and Rock US, Rock International, Rock US are partnered up together. And that kind of left Ryonet on its own and then a pandemic hit. So this all happened within like two months. And <laughs> yeah. when that pandemic hit, Ryonet decided to really pull back on our education. And Cole, you were a Ryonet instructor, right? Yep. Taught many, many classes. How many classes have you did you teach? Basically every other month for two and a half years or something. So yeah, I don't know. So 15 or something hundreds of students right yeah i mean when we were really going there'd be like 30 plus we had like wow. events with 30 plus people they were packed and then gavin you took class that's how you got into it right yep that's what kind of introduced me to to the industry that's really the first time i've seen a commercial screen printing shop you know i've always seen i've seen your videos i've did the whole ryan at uh thing uh, but when I went to that shop in Naples, I spent the weekend there. I was like, whoa, and seeing the automatic press, that was one of the first time I seen the automatic press. So yeah, it was like, it set, really set the foundation for what was to come next. Yeah, and I loved the education side. I think at our height, we were teaching 2,000 people in our Screen Printing 101 series at wow. over 10 locations throughout. You know, you mentioned one in Naples and then Cole in Southern California and Northern California. We had all over the place. And Brett was also, uh, Brett from Printed Threads was also one of those locations. And him and Tom Davenport, who used to be the owner and founder of Motion Textile, who sold out of that company and was working with Bella Camus at that time, decided to you know, invest in a laboratory that that could really focus on education, focus on development and design for this industry, kind of merging all the sectors together. Um, they approached us on the rock side to become a sponsor or enabler of the lab and put equipment in, which I thought was cool because Tom was always an MHM guy. And, you know, I was like, I just figured that 
I mean, literally, he was like an inmate. Like, he was not going to ever print on anything different. And so they approached Rock, and we took the opportunity to have put an oval and a U. And then they're like, well, we'd like to do education classes. Would you be interested in becoming involved in that and becoming a partner? And I talked to the Ranit team. And at that time, 2021, there was no like future roadmap of like getting back to education live. At least they were doing a ton of virtual, really, really good virtual content, still doing a ton of really good virtual content. Uh, and so I decided to become on board with that, which is a really awesome playground. So Made Lab stands for Modern Apparel Development and Education. So we're really trying to focus on best practices on the manufacturing side. So we work with manufacturers like Samar, Bella Canvas to do all the testing and development for products. So this shirt is an all made 2100. It's our organic cotton shirt. When that shirt launched, we did all the testing at Made Lab to make sure that they printed well, they discharged well. We gave the discharge rating scales. We did, If they had mm-hmm. dimigration issues, we gave the dimigration scales and gave us way better data. Brian, one of our partners, comes from Rutland Inks and then Mirror Image prior to that and just has like he's a print genius. And so he's gone through a lot of these testing processes and really kind of honed in and developed this. So that was a really cool thing to do. And then as you test these garments, you learn things about these garments, obviously, that you want to share. So that's kind of where the education component came into play. And so to date, we've done about 40, 42 different educational events. Last year, we did wow. 28. We're, yeah. Things have slowed down a little bit this year, but we have about 40 on the books this year. We'll probably end up doing it up around that 30 mark again. So it's been great to, to be able to connect the community and help teach and train things that we're learning from the development side. And then it's also a really cool intersection because, you know, it's we use obviously rock equipment. I'm a, I'm a partner in Rock US. We use we do a lot of the testing and development and printing on all made apparel and other Samar products. Samar is an amazing partner of the lab. And then but, you know, being on the Ryanet side, being on like a distributor side, you kind of only you wear that hat and everyone looks at you as like the Ryanet guy or like it's very competitive space. Being more on the educational side with MadeLab, it's a lot more open. So I've been able to have conversations and to learn things from a lot of the competitors of Ryanet that wouldn't have been available to me before and different parts in the industry. So it's kind of a really good connection space for me and uh, excited to see where it continues to go. So we're just about two years into it and I would still say startup mode, kind of figuring things out as we go, but it's been a great, great, great experience. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's very cool that you guys have taken the education platform to a new level. One thing that I wonder about is I believe one of your partners is still Supercolor, or at least it was in the recent past. And, um, you know, Supercolor, while while being this amazing kind of transformer, transformational option, and not just them, but DTF in general, is also in a lot of ways like a threat to someone who has a really good skill set in screen printing, because theoretically, if it gets cheap enough and fast enough, you know, maybe your skills matter less and less and less in the future. I, what has your experience been kind of seeing that transformation happen and and also working with them as a partner? Do you get pushback from traditional screen printers? How, how have you seen the industry respond? That's a great question. I got introduced to Supercolor at Print Hustlers and I was like, ah, oh, another transfer company. Yay. You know, mm-hmm. and so I think as old school screen printers and I will say old school like you know, over 20 years. So that's really not old. I don't think I'm old school, but that's, that's a while, right? The transfer had a kind of a negative connotation because right. it was cheap. It would crack. It wouldn't stick well. And so 
you know, the world's best transfer, I think they were touting at the time. I was like, okay, whatever, you know. But then during the pandemic, I started using Supercolor to decorate masks because they're just kind of a pain in the ass to screen print. And I was like, wow, these things, these transfers are really good. Like mm-hmm. they feel like a water-based print, screen print. They they hold up well. They have, you can add, you can add dye migration properties to that or to blocking properties to that so you don't have dye migration issues. So learning more about that technology, I was like, yeah, this definitely, there's a place for this in the industry. I'll use a shop example across the street, opaque screen printing. They didn't even know about Supercolor, and I walked in there one day. He's like, man, well, how how should I screen print these waterproof, you know, jackets? And I'm like, you shouldn't. That sounds horrible, you know? Right. <laughs> and so, so stuff like that is a perfect application for Supercolor because it's like it's so much easier. You can control the variables. You can – you can add different types of transfers to different types of products. They make mm-hmm. different types of adhesion properties. So yeah, it's like a great, it's a great option for any shop. Uh, I don't think it's competitive to screen printing. I think it's complementary to screen printing. I think all screen printers should be using a transfer option. I think Supercolor, in my opinion, is the best out there from what I've seen. You know, mm-hmm. it's screen printed with water-based underbases, so you have that Nike Under Armour feel, um, and then you have the digital overprint. You're still going to get a solid plate, you know, and so it's it's still different than screen printing, you know. If you, you know, one of our videographers did a project where he had this big, like, kind of um, shark uh, from like this hip hop uh, artist on this hoodie, and it looked cool and vibrant, but it, it's a sheet, right? I mean, it would right. have felt better as a really good water-based screen print, you know. And so, but then on the flip side, a lot of things transfer way better small logos like full color imagery that don't have full bleed on them will transfer better and then a hundred percent on hard to decorate or hard to screen print items so i think it's a great tool in the tool chest i think Supercolor is doing a great job of you know transforming that transfer industry and raising the bar for everyone else uh, and then dtf kind of plays into that there's some really good dtf there's some really bad dtf Supercolor is just a, a ready to go option and then now i think with the Stampinator and then Rock's also developing a automated heat pressing machine. We did a competition with Supercolor and the Stampinator at the Rock booth at Long Beach and the winner did like 660 pieces an hour transferring by himself. You know, so you can use your screen printing press. You don't have to change the parameters of your operation or your printavo or your workflow. Instead of putting a screen on there, you're just putting a transfer on there. You still that use that as a production unit and you're still able to transfer at similar labor rates versus 40 an hour, which completely is a different business model because it's a different labor rate, right? I have a quick question about Stampinator and specifically because I don't have that many heads on my autos. Is it a permanent installation or is there a Stampinator that you can like pop in, pop out? They all pop in and pop out, so you oh, can okay. pop around your heads. So it doesn't take that much time to to set it in, use it, and then remove it and get your colors back. And normally, what I do is I'll just we'll just drop it, put it on the platen, and then just move the platen to where you want to put it in, and then put it back on, and you're good to go. Just put a blank shirt on the platen. It's only about 330 degrees, so it's you can sit on a platen with the blank shirt on it for a minute and not it'll just warm the platen up i think jeff is working on a manual version that could plug into an auto so if you have an open station like you have on some of your rocks you could put this unit that then would heat press or index down and not have to have a print head in it as well so a couple different options that could be available yeah because besides the heat press option uh the finish you can get 
on a pressed plastisol print is just fantastic. Yeah, Brett and Tom's favorite way to use the stamp. We've done a lot of work with Jeff on the Stampinator, kind of testing and developing that. We don't just test and develop fabric products. We also do industry products. So we do a lot a lot of work with rock. We do work with people like the Stampinator. Um, we've done a lot of work with Supercolor. So their favorite way to use it is a pre-stamp. So that they actually stamp the garment first and then print it versus printing it and then stamping it. It gives it a different look, still flattens those fibers. It gives it an amazing base because it's heating and pressing at the same time. And then you still have that very traditional screen print feel because um, the moment you stamp the underbase, it starts to feel like a super color transfer, which is a lot of people like that feel because it's smoother. It's more like an, a water-based print. But then some people like that little bit rougher plastisol print. So you kind of get the best best of both worlds by pre-pressing it, especially on thicker fabrics like a Los Angeles apparel, you know, seven, eight ounce shirt or a fleece. You get a really cool effect by stamping it first and then printing it. Very cool. So you talked a little bit about kind of a potential downturn in the industry. And I've talked to some people privately about how they're not necessarily losing clients, but their clients might be lowering their volume of orders, especially when it's like a promotional good that they're giving away for free for an event or something. What are you seeing on kind of a grander scale? And how is that affecting the way that you guys are like essentially selling education and equipment? seems like you'd be on kind of the front edge of people's reactions to being nervous about the economy because they're less likely to invest if they feel like they're in survival mode. Two sides of that, whenever things things slow down, the most expensive part in, in any shop or operation is typically labor. It's more expensive than equipment. So mm-hmm. there's always an opportunity as people are looking at costs and looking at labor, fixed costs with labor, to look at automation. But I mean, the point is, if you're not doing good as a business, you're not going to probably be investing any money or hiring any people to begin with. So you're really just looking at cost savings. This year, I think it's been the first year that we've seen things kind of back to a normal life cycle. Like pre-pandemic, you would have certain two peaks you know, of the year. You would have the spring peak and then you have the fall peak. And then the winter and the summer would be always be lower. So, mm-hmm. you know, the year would start out in January like this. It would start to ramp up, you know, peak out in March, April, then ramp down for the beginning of the summer, then ramp back up into fall, kind of peaking up at a, a high point in September, October, and then ramping down out through the holidays. The pandemic, like, completely shifted off everything because we all hit pause for two months you know some people hit pause for a lot longer than that but it offset all those cycles and then the last few years restarting and then all the economic stimulus and then the supply chain issues it just has been a cluster f as far as the industry goes for the last two two years since Mm -hmm. 2020 or three years almost and so i think 2023 was the we saw a winter and it was a rough winter. I, you know, whether it was a lot of snow in certain areas or a lot of bad weather, you know, Bruce shares all of the Printava order data with, with me and it's an open source. So I think if you asked him, he'd probably share it. Wow. That's cool um, data. You see you how many really like tell orders. how it's going. Yeah. What? Yeah. That's kind of amazing data. I, I will ask for that because it, it'll make me hopefully not panic when I have my own experience. Oh yeah. I mean, you should have seen it. Like we're popping along, we're starting out this year, we're going up towards March. And then April was like, like April, 2023 was within 10%, a 10% drop um, within 10% of April, 2020. That's how bad it was. So it's like, you think, remember April, 2020, Yeah. April, 2023 was within 10% of that. 
Now, it just spiked right back up in May, and May was like a record month for Printava orders processing. So it was a straight-up blip. I have no idea why it was April. I think some people felt it in March. Some people still felt it in May. But, mm. you know, I know some businesses that I'm really close with were down 50% year over year, that month like over month. That describes my experience during that exact <laughs> month. That's amazing. What do you think the key is for businesses right now to stand out? I mean, if we are going into... You know, if the rest of the year is not going to be getting much better or potentially could get worse, what do you think is the key to pushing forward and being one of the thriving businesses and not just kind of accepting your fate? Well, it's interesting because I was at a shop this week at Fingers Duke up in Bremerton, Washington, and they experienced the same thing in April. But what they did is they prepped for event season, and so they did a bunch of preprint work. And they've been, and then since May hit, and then you know, so much of this business is weather. I mean, it's really hard to sell T-shirts when it's iced over and snowing in Texas. Like, you can't right. sell a T-shirt to save. It's like trying to sell ice to an Eskimo, you know? If it's raining in Washington and horrible, I mean, it, rain, it was horrible winter up here. It was snowing in April. And so it's really hard to sell T-shirts when it's snowing in April. So when the sun popped out in May, he hit live events, and he's, like, killed it. Absolutely killed it. And so he used that time in April that he was really slow to be able to ramp up, you know, and preprint stuff. He's already out of stuff. He's having to reprint stuff for his live events. And so they're doing a bunch of really cool live events, both live printing, but also just they're selling t-shirts, you know, selling their their own line of t-shirts. And so I think diversifying into different markets helps you offset those traditional cycles of, that, of the industry that we had t- talked about a few minutes ago and gives you the ability to do different things when pandemics hit or when slow parts hit you know because if you're only a contract shop and you have no contracts coming in and you have no orders what are you going to do but if you have three different lines of businesses that you can print for um, or or fill into that spot you have options to keep the shop busy and then make revenue in different ways i actually did not notice that this was going on it's actually that there was a dip during this time now thinking about it Around this time when there was a couple of our customers that came to us and wanted to change their subscription. I'm thinking back now, like, hey, can we go down a little bit uh, to the lowest plan and maybe go back up? Uh, So now thinking about it, I I do see that happen. Now, Ryan, you get to see everything that's happening in, in the industry just because of who you are, the businesses that you've built. Like I started my business really uh, following the blueprint that you put out and go- attending your class. Somebody that's, say, in my position where I was, say, seven years ago, a lot of people I'm hearing now, they want to start you just in their basement with a heat press and do this DTF thing. And they almost don't want to even think about this manual screen printing thing. What do you have to say to somebody that's like trying to make that decision? DTF, uh, manual screen printing. Uh, What's your outlook on that? Well, I think all these different tools are actually growing, growing the space. So Mm -hmm. to couple that to Cole's last question, like, are we going into reset, you know, a recession? I think we're, the outlook's pretty positive. I think we, we're, headed back up i just had a rock board meeting and they gave us a summary of it i'm there was only a few u.s customers from it and i was talking to jeffrey paul and 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 eric from night owls who went there and they're like he was saying like it's really something that the u.s market should look at 
you know, in the future, you know, going to on a more regular basis. Um, you were at the last one, right? Did you guys both go to ITMA or? I haven't been to that one. To yeah. which one? ITMA. That was in Barcelona. Yeah, I think I did. Yeah, you invited us. Uh, I went to it with you. Yeah, I think that was a cool experience. It was overwhelming, but the summarization <laughs> yeah. of that show uh, is was the fact that he thinks that we're at the bottom, you know, and, and the brand work. It's interesting how stuff flows. Like brand and retail is all printed internationally. And so, and we're... Uh, so much more of a consumer-driven print market here in the U.S. And so those consumers are not planning. You know, they're just like, I need shirts for my company, like, next week, you know, and versus, like, the brands are planning much longer in advance. So you kind of get a lot more foresight from the international markets based around how they feel the retail markets are going to react. And then we're in the retail market. So when the retail market is slow we're, we're we're feeling it the brands are kind of predicting that way out and so they're they're saying that they're seeing things hit back to a normal level come september this year so kind of at the bottom and ramping up and having a more of a traditional fall which is a positive thing but to that point gavin of like i believe that there's a huge opportunity for the custom decorated apparel industry and the opportunity is we look at it we're about a 20 billion dollar a year industry right now and the overarching fashion apparel of decorated fashion apparel is like 200 billion so we have like 180 billion of dollars to go get of shirts items that are decorated and sold we just have to provide them different retail channels so i think the more custom wear that can be decorated or it's somebody doing dtf or somebody using their cricket to do it um, or a screen printing shop or a dtg print on demand the more we can the more readily available we can make product in the market and the more used we can get to buying not something off the shelf <clears throat> but something that we designed and something that we made or had made for us i think that's going to overarchingly help our industry and even if retail's down, we can still grow because again, retail's planning for a slow period of time. We can take advantage of that because there's not as many options out there and offers people something special. Have either of you guys been to Disney lately? Like in the last couple of years? Yeah, maybe like 18 months ago we went to Disneyland. So I don't know if you, I, I really noticed this at Disney, like when I would go to Disney pre-pandemic, it'd be like you'd buy Disney shirts and people would wear Disney shirts. Now it's like everyone has their own custom Disney shirt, like that they yeah, that's true. Cricket, you know, or they <laughs> right. order off of Amazon. And my wife ordered like a ton of just shitty ass DTG prints off. I was like, oh, why are you doing this? And she's like, well, I wanted this shirt. I'm like, this is just straight off of a cornet printed at Amazon, you know, and like yep. she, she's just ordering these things left and right. I'm like, ugh, you know. <laughs> I like how you end up with bad t-shirts of all people. <laughs> so I think, I think it's a great tool. I think where people, we used to have this saying, this whole campaign around is like uh, screen printing starts here. And sc screen printing used to be where you go to start. I think screen printing is uh, where you go when you want to grow now. So yeah. we're, we're working with people on the rock side, yeah. shops that are on the rock side that are those transfer companies that are there, those companies that are either outsourcing or doing small runs i was talking to a shop they're coming down to made lab classes next week in texas our advanced made to rock classes they're doing all heat press stuff and they're adding two rocks because their screen printing is a, a production friendly a fashion feel garment 
you know, it's mm-hmm. you can't get fashion field garments very easily with DTF or with transfers. It's going right. to give you a, it's an athletic feel. It's a corporate wear feel. You know, so for band merch, for fashion field stuff, I think screen printing, is, it's very hard to say that there would be some type of technology that would come along that would replace it. And then the cost per print and the speed of it is there's it's unmatched. Yeah, especially on anything low color count, it's uh, it's amazing how quick you can get something done. Yeah, awesome. Well, I I also wanted to ask you kind of an update on Allmade. Um, where is the company headed right now? And also, are there any additional like garment styles coming to the line? Thank you. Yeah, it's been a wild ride for Allmade too. You know, from the pandemic. You know, going into the Sanmar system, developing new products. So I think in the last two years, we've launched, you know, 40 new products, new colors. So there's a lot, a lot of stuff happening. The stuff that's happening now is like we're finally getting back to a very healthy stock level. We've really struggled to to maintain the stock through the integration into Samar, changing our supply chain around a little bit, trying to improve it, strengthen it, adding new products, and then also just the the general shipping woes that have been experienced in the past six months. So Mm -hmm. we're, we're... getting in a spot where we're really healthy with inventory. We are launching a bunch of new colors in the Tri-Blend, the 2004 line. And then we just launched a really cool new style, which is like a, a scoop flow tee for women's. And there, I mean, I'll use my wife as an example. She's buying these shirts off Amazon. She's like, I'm like, here, I can give you this all made shirt. She's like, I don't like it. It fits too tight. And I, you know, it's like, it's not like a fashionable fit. And I had her try this shirt on. She's like, yeah, it's a lot better. And then I noticed like the next day she was wearing it, you know. And so yeah. she apparently uh, the ladies are calling it a unicorn, uh, really, really <laughs> well fit. And we sold out immediately. So that's where okay. it's like the team's like, well, we should probably, you know, not go as heavy because we've had a few rough product launches where we over inventoried this. And then, of course, we, we don't make enough of this one and then it sells out immediately. But it's back in the, the production cycle and really excited about that from a diversity perspective in our line and then and the production cycle has largely been moved to like honduras or where is it mostly being done now so all of our organic is being done in india all of our tribal okay. is being done in honduras and we're using we're we're doing all of our yarn and our knitting in honduras now as well so our knitting and our dyeing in honduras we were doing that in the u.s up until this year. Some of it's still being done in the U.S., I believe, but it's all being done in Honduras so we can control everything in one spot. And so with that kind of a, you know, international supply chain, what kind of turnaround time do you have on producing garments? I mean, it, that inventory prediction must be extremely difficult and something that you're always trying to balance, like outputting capital with, you know, somehow foreseeing the next three months of sales. Best case, it was two months. We were getting as low as two months. And then, mm-hmm. then it went to like 12 months because of shipping issues and, and stuff like the shipping ports. It was weird because Long Beach, you saw this on the West Coast during COVID. Like it was horrible like in right. the Long Beach port. And, and stuff was flowing in and out of Florida like no problem. And then it seemed like everything, everyone was like, well, we're not going to California anymore. We're all going to move our stuff to Florida. And then Florida just completely log jammed. And so – I think at one point in time, Sanmar had 400 containers of shirts. No, no, no. It was like 4,000 containers. It was like, it was an incredible number of shirts. It was like, yeah. it was thousands sitting in the port, 
like and not being and there were so many all made shirts sitting on those shirts on those on those ships um shirts on ships instead of like in your print shop being printed or on the shelf and now and now it's like getting them into warehouses getting them stacked and then getting them sold i think everyone ramped up for the for that big push that we saw that bottleneck that came out of the pandemic and then that ramp up then all had to hit it's like a it's like a snake eating a cow it like it's just sitting there and it has to push its way through and then slowly get digested and at the end of the day it's like it finally the snake's back to normal but it takes a long time to for that to happen yeah so ryan i think what eight years nine years since i've known you now probably eight years and just looking at you from like an entrepreneur's like angle what i've been able to see is like you've been able to like almost reinvent yourself right you've been able to like transition from around that become the face of the industry do this thing with rock do this thing with made i'd love like some insight into that like what's your inner work and what is it that you do to kind of help you reinvent yourself and stay relevant in the industry it was a hard it was definitely i didn't see as we were planning this whole transition i didn't see it happening this way and it was actually some of our roundnet team was like like we need to get you out of out of Ryonet, you need to be more global. And at that time, there was no Made Lab. You know, there was just mm-hmm. this rock and all made thing going on. And I didn't really understand what that meant. Um, I was a little like YouTube was such a big part of what I did. And they're like, yeah, we don't want you to do YouTube videos anymore. I was like, what? <laughs> what? You invented, it- you invented YouTube screen printing videos. <laughs> Not really, but it. You know, it's like I've done thousands of videos, and they're just also very yeah. easy. They were easy for me to do, but only I did them in a, yeah. in a very specific kind of canned way too. So it wasn't like it was rocket science, uh, and that was hard. So I first had to figure it out, and then you also lead being involved in in different companies and different aspects. Like Ryonet is the only company that we have a majority stake in. Mm-hmm. All the other companies you minority stake. So you're you're learning to lead through influence versus leading through you know, you're, you're the ultimate say and, and the ultimate stakeholder. So learning to lead through influence is a lot different than learning to lead, you know, to, to making the decision and everyone sticks to that decision. Yeah, just those two things. I think I, I read a lot of books on those topics and then really jumped into some of the other companies. I think MadeLab was really valuable for me because it, it did. It was kind of a cross-link of, of several of those companies coming into one place. And even though Allmade and Rock aren't directly in Made Lab, they are in Ryonet too. So we use Riley Hopkins Press. We print on a Rock Press. We use some Ryonet products, screen, you know, inks. You know, our, we have an upcoming water-based camp. Green Galaxy is going to be teaching part of that camp. So it's an intersection of all these different brands that you know basically get to play in this Made Lab environment, which is which has been valuable for me. So I think I don't know. That's it's a hard question, Gavin, but. I don't mm-hmm. think I gave you a specific answer. Learning how you fit into different companies, I think learning to lead differently is an important thing if you're looking at making a transition, you know, like that. What I got from that was you have to be able to let go, right? Not be in full control, <laughs> emphasize collaboration, right? That's that's what I got from that. Yeah. At the end of the day, we're as an industry, we're better together. So if we we're able to, and but it's also super hard because there's so many egos, there's so many different yeah. ways people do things. 
But if yeah. we can work together and collaborate, I think we're going to build a better spot. And again, if we're looking at that $180 billion of retail market that we can collectively go get versus like fighting over the, the 10% of the market that we currently have, then we kind of see things in a whole new light. Looking back at, at kind of how you started with, I mean, at least the way I found you, and I think a lot of people found you, was you guys were really early to having an amazing internet presence. And so having been doing that kind of content creation stuff since... I'm not even sure when what your first year was on like YouTube, but how have you seen that industry evolve from what you were doing, which was promoting your own products and your own sales channels to what is now actually like a full-time career for some of these content creators? Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on that kind of transition and uh, like the evolution of content creation? Yeah, it's, it amazes me how many people want to do that. You know, my kids, my two of my kids like, I want to be a YouTuber, you know? And, right. And, mm -hmm. There was also this this huge need for connection and for devouring content during the pandemic that changed the way people interact with each other and opened up this blue ocean of like demand with TikTok, with YouTube, with Instagram, and I think largely made older platforms like Facebook highly irrelevant. So things have shifted drastically in the last. And with that openness of demand, the market got flooded with just tons of different content. So if you look at how many con how much content was being produced in 2019 to being produced in 2020 after eight months of the pandemic, the amount was crazy. So what happens when you have a lot more content? Like if you're going to a buffet and it's got three options, you know, you're going to take and you're going to put three options on your plate or maybe only two options because you don't really like the third option. But if you have a, a buffet and you, you like – can now choose from 200 options what how much of each option are you going to put on your plate just a tiny little bit so that means that our the time that we watch content went way down so we went from like making videos that were like really in-depth and valuable training videos to like we're going to make 30 second reel here have fun <laughs> and then because now so many more people are hitting that 30 seconds now we have videos like the first time I had, we've ever had videos go viral is 2022. I've been making videos for that was like the 18th year of making videos, you know, and the wow. first time I ever had one to go viral. I had we had rock had to go viral an ice bath two ice bath videos go go viral. Uh, and my son even had two videos go viral. It's like never seen that happen before. And if you ever want to be famous on TikTok or Instagram, you really want to rethink it because it is you know, answering 70,000 comments or interacting with that is just stupid. Like, well, what do you think is the opportunity there? Like, because we were working on some shorts, like maybe a few months ago. And every time I would do something stupid, where it was like, we're going to do this messy project, we're going to do this thing that we would never actually do in the shop, but it's going to get views. I always was wondering, like, but what's my return on the views other than maybe brand recognition? How do you feel that works? Like, if I'm trying to get a marketing agency to start giving me X amount of orders every month, and then I'm the guy who like puts Blastisol on my face, <laughs> like, is there a connection there, to, like views to ROI? I don't know. I mean, I think for companies that serve a consumer consumer mm -hmm. demand, so somebody like Allmade, somebody like Bella Canvas, that everyone wears a T-shirt. It's right. the you know, it's the the opportunity is really good because it's brand recognition now. Those are the hardest videos to like all made content is so hard to hit. It's 
screen printing content, you know, with Rock and with Made Lab, it's so much easier because it's a it's an interactive process, you know. And so, mm-hmm. seeing an automated folding line flip a shirt, people are like, "Wow, I've never seen that before," you know. And like everyone who's ever folded a shirt in their life. Um, including all the moms that do laundry or the dads that do laundry every day are like, I wish I had one of those at home, you know? And so that video gets 2 million views, you know, because it's something unique, but it's in our space. So I don't know. It's, you know, rock definitely saw a really positive effect of growing our, I mean, in 2021, our Instagram was at 2000 and now we're at like a 26,000. And so that really, really helped us grow as a company, we had our record, the, the numbers like of, of, of growth in the social media channels and our sales growth like matched and, uh, all made Ryanet have been relatively flat because Ryanet was so strong before. So trying to recreate stuff, all made trying to figure like, how do you make engaging content on a blank t-shirt? You know, what is that? Haven't fe- figured that out yet, you know, and it's just so different. Like I get, and I think right now. This year, I think people are, I know I feel it's getting burned out of social media. Like, okay, I need like, it's like going to, it's like working out. It's like getting like, okay, I got, okay, I got to do the post. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I, there's some days I don't even want to get on it. Like, I just like, uh, you know? And so I think that definitely a fatigue factor and going back, I heard the shirt show talking about this the other day is like going back towards more traditional forms of marketing and advertising is human connection i know we noticed that on the rock side is like human connection is so much more powerful than like you know doing social media and so social media is a great tool always be a great tool um you know we just we we just did a video that got one hundred twenty two thousand plays on printing a tank top it was relevant people were wearing tank tops it was a cool print so it was like that kind of stuff you could still get value and still hit but um, I definitely think it's not – I think everyone went all in in like 2020, 2021, and then all in 100% changed in 2022 for like we flipped the camera from this to this, and then we took the time from this to this, and now it's like maybe long-form content starts to hit. Maybe we flip the camera back over and start to look at you know a landscape mode. So I, I don't know how it's going to change. It's, it's, and then with chat GPT and all the AI learning and things of that nature, that's going to change it even more. So it's going to be an interesting, it's going to see, it's going to be interesting to see where things go. Yeah. With, I mean, you brought it up. So with chat GPT, you know, you, you hear these, like, it's going to literally destroy the economy and everyone's going to get fired kind of doomsday <laughs> versions. But then when I sit on it and I ask it to do things like I'll, I'll, me- I'll have it messing up answers in the first five minutes how have you actually been able to implement it in like a repetitive business task so far other than just kind of it feeling like a big opportunity have, have you guys been actively using it yet we use it for uh kicking off ideas you know so okay. from it is i've talked to a lot of designers about this you know because the big thing is like oh it's going to replace all designers like no i i think if you're a good designer you're going to be fine now can you beat it at chat gpt and say hey i I want you to create 40 different versions or three different versions of this design concept that I made, came up with and feed it to my client. Maybe just like, or mock-ups or things like that. So I think, I don't know, like Mm -hmm. from a design perspective, I think designers, as long as you're unique and offering a unique value added service to your client, you're probably going to be fine. We've been using it to come up with ideas for content, come up with, you know, Sometimes I'll even use it to get me off the j- round of like developing a process or writing a job description. I think it's it's a good like kickoff point to get ideas at this point in time. You know where it goes from there. You know I don't know. Well, yeah, I mean I I think 
the most interesting thing will be kind of on the customer service automation side. But yeah. every time I've tried to play with that so far, feels like I'm out of my league developing anything for myself. And so I'm waiting more and more for plugins than, than I am like feeling like I can really do much with it at the moment. I have done some stuff with like Zapier or connecting it with like Printavo and being able to have it like give some sort of basic answer, but it, it just, it's not like ready for prime time in that way. Mm-hmm. And I'm assuming someone humongous like Facebook is going to just take those small business accounts that we've had for eternity on like Facebook and just announce through Messenger like, hey, here's all this data we've been reading off of your Messenger for years. Now you can do like a fake auto attendant through your Facebook platform Messenger and they can answer most of the basic FAQ kind of questions automatically. So that'll be really interesting to see, but it just isn't quite here. It's going to be interesting to see how technology continues to change and then where that fits into the t-shirt game. Well, I don't want to take too much of your time, but thanks so much for stopping by. Is there any specific place you want to send people to uh, check out like some of your more recent releases or maybe some of the upcoming classes? Yeah, we have a really awesome water-based camp in July. Uh, we have a basics version and an, an advanced version called Waterbase Camp. So it's Waterbase Week. And so if you want to learn more about Waterbase printing, I still think it's the best top echelon of how to decorate and getting the best quality, softest hand in an eco-friendly fashion as long as you're doing it right. So check out Waterbase Camp. Just visit madelab.io and check that out. And stay tuned for upcoming events this fall as well. And then, yeah, follow me, connect with me at Ryan Moore, no E at the end, um, on any social media platform. And love to, if you're looking to grow or scale specifically in automation or you want you know, better quality garments and care about the environment, we'd love to connect with you on any of the stuff that I'm involved with. Awesome. awesome. Well, thanks again for all your time. It was good talking to you again. And, uh, yeah, I, it's, I literally bought a silver press from you in, like, 2009. And... Uh, you you just won't go away like you just keep being a part of my life like there's always a new reason for me to be interested in like what you're doing what you're offering to the industry so it's always been great to know you and thanks again for coming on yeah thank you gavin thank you cole appreciate it thank you thank all you right so much thank you talk Ryan. to you later and thanks to everyone for listening please like and subscribe for us to create more content like this all right bye